Now, let's dive into the message today. I'm really excited about today's message. Now, I haven't preached live um, in, in over four weeks. Some of you started coming to the church uh, during at the movies. And so you're like, oh, wow, he does actually speak live. Uh, I actually met a lady at the gym uh, this about two weeks ago, and she started coming to Anchor Bend two weeks ago in our at the movie series. So I saw her this last week, I think it was Friday, and I, and I went over there and said hello, and I said, hey, this week I'll be live. She's like, wow, I've never seen you live. That'll be interesting. So uh, excited for those of you that have never uh, had the live portion of this communication. But I'm pretty fired up. It's been four weeks. I mean, you know, it gets a little pent up inside. And so I'm ready today to dive in. You have message notes. Uh, and the reason I do that, if you're new here, uh, I like outlines. Uh, I, I like to know that, that we're going somewhere. I like to fill in the blanks. And so I give you an abbreviated version of my notes each and every week. If you don't have them, you can always get them when you walk in. And I always encourage you to hold on to them. How many hold on to your notes? It's awesome to go back and you're like, oh, yeah, this is good. And then study it throughout the week. And so you can pull them out and study. I always encourage everyone to take notes, especially uh, in the message. I think it's great for us to take what God gives us and process it through the week. Now, I've been pondering a quote. Um, this quote I've been pondering probably for the last seven, eight, maybe nine weeks. Uh, a lot of it has to do with the legacy offering because, look, I'm not just communicating it to you. I'm living it out for me. Like, I didn't just come up here to try to, you know, the legacy I want you. No, no. Phyllis and I are legacy givers. We're part of the legacy team. We're part of this church. We tithe. The second we get any kind of income, we tithe. We're, we're, we serve. We get here early. We stay late. We're part of what God is doing here. And so I've been wrestling with this quote, not just for you, but really for me. And it's this. You make a living by what you get. You leave a legacy by what you give. And I don't know if it's because I'm getting older. I'm 41 years young now. Um, and so in my life, something happened when I turned 40, besides my metabolism slowing down. <laughs> Come on, somebody. I, I, I mean, something shifted in me to where I realized I could be on the last portion of my life. Like, let's say I live 80. I, I hope to live a, a, a longer than 80. My granny is 82, 83 years young. And so... Yeah, go granny. She's around here. Uh, and, and so I, I hope to, to live longer than 80. But let's just say I live to 80. I've now crossed into the last half of my life. And so something has switched on the inside of me. It's not about what I can get and the life I can make. Now it's about the legacy that I can leave. It's really about the, the, the part of my life that impacts people. And what I've realized is this. The question is not whether you're going to die. I mean, there's really two things that are inevitable in your life. The first one is we're all going to pay taxes. And then the second thing is you're all going to die. Oh, that's not positive. I'm positive that we're all going to die. Come on, somebody. It just, it's the fact of life. And so the Bible actually says that there is a day that is appointed unto each and every one of us that we will die. And so it's already set in motion. God knows it, but we don't. And so the question is not whether or not each and every one of us are going to die. The question is, how will I live? What am I going to do with the life that God has given me? What am I going to do with the breath that I have in my body, the, the energy and the, 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 the fact that I am alive? What am I going to do with this gift that I have? How will I live? And that's a choice that only you can answer. I can't answer that for you. I can do the best I can to inspire you. I can do the best to, I can to give you opportunities to make a difference. I can do everything as a pastor to encourage you. But ultimately, you have to decide how you're going to live just like I have to decide how I'm going to live. And so I would encourage us that we would live a life of legacy. That we would live a life that gives to others. That we would make an impact. That we would ultimately with our life that we would change the world. 
And I know sometimes we could say change the world, and that sounds so big and so grandiose, but really changing the world is changing a life that's connected to you. Just one person, maybe it's at your school, maybe it's at your job, maybe it's in your neighborhood, maybe it's at the grocery store, maybe it's someone you're sitting next to this morning. The point is, I'm going to impact someone's life, and as I do that, I'm literally changing the world. I'm going to make my life count. And, and the reason we've got to live with this urgency and this understanding is because life is short. I don't know about you, but I feel like I just blinked and 40 years passed. Uh, anybody who's older, it's like, man, you know, when you're young, it's like, good Lord, when will I be 16 so I can drive? And then, you know, if you're not saved, when will I be 21 so I can go out to the club and you know, I know nobody in here wanted to be 21 for that, but I'm just saying, you know, and then it's like, then the big one is, when will I be 25 for my insurance? Come on, somebody, just want it to drop. And, but then all of a sudden you blink and you're 41, you're 50, you're 60, and life just flashes before your eyes. James 4.14 says it like this, what's your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. And I know when you read this verse, sometimes you can think, yeah, but I don't feel like life is going by quickly, especially at one o'clock on a Friday at work. Anybody got those last couple of hours just dragging on? You're like, come on, five o'clock, come on, you're just watching the, and it just seems like life is dragging, and there are some seasons where it could feel like it's dragging, but James says your life is like this. That's your life right there. Like, there you go, bye-bye. So, so, so your life, it's like, man, how quick is life? It's like that. That's life. That's, it just passes so quickly. And, and you would say, yeah, but you know, if I live 80 years, I mean, is that really life? Yeah, but what James is, 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 is comparing our life to is eternity. That in the scope of eternity, in the scope of time, you're just a mist, you're just a vapor that here life is one day and then it's gone so quickly and so what we've got to learn to do is that with every breath of my lung, with every action that I take, that I'm going to choose to step into what God has for me and to leverage this life that I have. So I'm going to leverage this life. How do we leverage our life? We leverage it through our time, our talent, and our treasure. That really sums up the whole of our lives. What are we doing with our time and our talents? You know, I got a church full of people that serve on the dream team and, and people that are making a difference in the lives of others. And, and I know that you guys get this. Why? Because you showed up this morning at 6 a.m. And, and you're, you're serving and creating environments. Look, these, these lights and the projectors and the, the, the sound and all of that, they're, they're giving their time. They're, they're using their talents. They set up the children's environments and all the different places so that every person that would come in this morning could connect connect to the heart and the power of God. So they're leveraging their lives, whether it's on a Sunday morning, you know, making a difference on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. You're leveraging your time and your talent. And I think a lot of people get that. Like, I think we understand that I need to invest my energy into the things of God. My concern is it's not just with your time and it's not just with your talent, but how many know we've got to leverage our treasure? we got to leverage our money. I didn't get one amen on that one. That's good. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. you saw my money now. <laughs> yeah, your resources. Your, so, so see, the time and the talent, we get it, but don't mess with my money, Pastor. I ain't going to mess with your money. I'm just going to share what God has to say about us leaving a legacy with our lives. And so it's not just about time and talent, but there is an investment that we've got to make into the kingdom of God financially with our resources. God wants you to leverage, let me say it like this, everything, everything, so that your life will leave a legacy, so that your life would make an impact in the people in this earth and in this world. And, and really, it's a partnership between us and God. Now, most of you know partnership. I mean, you understand what a partnership is all about. I learned about partnership at, at, as a young adult. When I was about 19, 18, 19, Steve and I started a couple of businesses. We, we started a gold plating business. We started a t-shirt business. And then uh, when I was about 19, 20, we started a real estate investment company. 
And it was just him and I. We, we began to buy and sell homes. So we would find distressed properties. And uh, we would write the property owners these letters, just ridiculous offers on these letters. We'd send about 100 of them out, knock on doors. But about every 100 or 200, 300 letters, we'd get a house. And ultimately, we ended up buying seven properties by the age we were 23, 24 years old. And, and the amazing thing was in this partnership, all I had to do was my part. Like, I'm not really good at sales. Like, I just, you know, I love you. But my, my drive is more administration, and I don't want to have to sell people. Steve, on the other hand, could sell ice to an Eskimo. <laughs> He'll sell you something, and you'll feel so good about it. And then you walk away, you're like, I don't know if I needed it, but it sure was a good price. <laughs> and that's awesome, because we could do all the work, which is what I'm good at, like the administration and the contractors and things like that. If I could do that and get the house ready, he could sell it. He could deal with the people you know, and, and help manage all of that. And so what I learned at a young age was partnerships are priceless because I do what I can do. And then Steve does what he can do. And then together we could do far more than what we would do by ourselves. It's a partnership. Well, I want you to know this, that God wants to partner with you. And here's the thing about God. God doesn't need to partner with us. He chooses to partner with us. I mean, come on, let's face it. God is God, right? He could do anything he wants. Ultimately, he could just make this happen and that happen, and it could just all be supernatural. But that's now how God set it up. God set up this divine partnership between him and humanity to where we do what we can do, and then God does what he can do. And that's where the supernatural happens, somewhere in the middle. Every miracle that I've ever seen or experienced, the ones we read about in the Bible, there was always a part that people played and then God did his part and the miracle happened somewhere in the middle. It's partnership. And there is a partnership that God wants to do in our lives and I want to talk about it. It's called seed time and harvest. Everybody say seed time and harvest. Oh, you do better than that. Seed time and harvest. There you go. It's the law of reciprocity, the law of sowing and reaping. Look at Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. It says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. So look, he says, while the earth remains, there's going to be these things take place. Now look. There are none of them that we can affect except seed time and harvest. You do not have the power to control cold and heat. How many wish you had a heater outside? You'd be like, God, just turn it up another 15 degrees. Well, how'd that work for you? Not so well. That We ain't got nothing to do with that, right? What about a winter and summer and, and day and night? You, you don't have anything to do with that. But the one process that he said will not cease that we could partner with God in is seed time and harvest. Seed time and harvest. What is it? It's an agricultural term. Now here in Rosenberg, many people understand seed time and harvest. There's, there's farmers out here. You see, you see the different crops that are out there. And what seed time and harvest is, when I plant a seed, I can expect a harvest. It's not very complicated, right? I mean, I mean, how ridiculous would it be for me to have this big field out there and say, I bought this field. What'd you buy the field for? I bought it for corn. Awesome. It's awesome. Come on, corn. I bought you. I want some corn, I, but you didn't plant no seed. Hey, you tell, hey man, this corn's going to grow, but what did you plant? I didn't plant nothing, but I'm expecting some corn. How ridiculous. Like, there's, there's a place for you. <laughs> yeah, they got a hospital right for you. Just, just, we go, it's crazy. No, no, no. If I bought a field and I'm expecting some corn, how many know I need to go plant some kernels of corn? Like, like if that's what seed time and harvest is all about. Like, I've got to plant what I expect. How many know if I want an apple tree, I've got to plant an apple? That ain't too kind. If i got an apple, if I want apples, I need to plant an apple? There you go. Hey, now, if I want jalapenos... Come on, somebody. You know, it ain't Texas without no jalapenos, whether it's mild or spicy or, 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 or crazy. It doesn't matter. I still got to plant a jalapeno so that I can get a jalapeno plant. That's the law of seed time and harvest, sowing 
and reaping. And though it's an agricultural thought, it's an agricultural principle, we understand it's universally true. It's not just with agriculture. We know this is true in every area of our life. And and not only do we as Christians know it's true, but the world knows it's true. I mean, there are things that the world says that alludes to this biblical principle, even though many people don't believe in the Bible. I mean, how many have ever heard of the golden rule? Anybody ever heard of the golden rule? What's the golden rule? Do unto others as you'd have. That's the golden rule. What is that? That's the law of seed time and harvest. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I'm going to sow into others what I want to experience from people. So, so how many have ever heard of karma? So, you know, karma is this whole what goes around. Oh, yeah. So, so people don't even believe in the Bible, but they believe in karma. Oh, they got what they deserved. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Oh, you, you know, and, and so we, we can express it in so many different ways, but it's really boiled down to a biblical concept that holds true whether you believe in the Bible or not. If you've been in class or in college or history, your professor would have said, those who ignore history are destined to repeat it. What is, it's, it's just, it's this what goes around comes. It's the law of reciprocity. I'm sowing and reaping, and it's a biblical concept. Look at Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. It says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. So whatever one sows, whatever one sows, that's what you're going to reap. So when I sow something, I can expect to reap a harvest in my life. And it's not just true with agriculture. This is true in every area. Think about this. If I sow kindness, I'm going to reap. So that's why the Bible says a soft answer turns away. What are you doing? Someone's mad. I'm going to sow a kind word. I'm going to sow something nice. And then it, they, the, the anger dissipates and it turns away wrath. And it, it reaps kindness back. If I want to receive grace, I've got to i got to sow grace, and so I need some grace in my life. Well, maybe you ought to look at sowing grace in the lives of other people. If I want to receive sympathy, I need to? I need to sow sympathy. So what this does is this flips this whole victim mentality off of me being a victim and realizing that I'm not a victim, I'm a victor, and I'm actually the master of my own fate. Like if you don't have friends... I mean, no, you probably ought to be a little more friendly. Yeah, i got to be friendlier to people than I might actually have some friends. So, so think about this. If I'm angry with other people, then people are going to be angry back with me. So, so you wonder why everybody's so sharp and harsh and critical and angry with you. It's, it's what are you sowing into the lives of people. If, if I'm loving towards other people, people will be. Now, here's another thing. So if this works in life, it also works in our finances. If I'm generous and give financially, I mean, God's going to bless my life financially. Can I get an amen? I mean, and, and so it works in every area. The challenge is this. Sometimes we get stuck on this money issue. We understand it in every other area of our life, but we put a ceiling on God and say, yeah, God, it works everywhere else, but it don't work here. I want you to know the law of sowing and reaping works in our finances as well. And if we will understand this concept of seed time and harvest and we apply it to our life, it'll radically change our lives. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. It says, remember this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap. But the person who sows generously will also reap. So if I sow and it's just a little, I'm going to get a little. If I sow and it's a lot, I'm going to. So what we understand is that our life really matters. What you do matters. Here's something else. What you don't do matters. So sometimes we just think, well, man, I did this and it's great. Yeah, yeah. But it's not just what we do. It's what we don't do. What we give matters. What we don't give matters. The law of sowing and reaping, it's important for us to make it a priority in every area of our life. And here's the thing with sowing and reaping. It doesn't discriminate against people. So it doesn't matter how old you are. 
Doesn't matter your ethnicity. Doesn't matter your gender. Doesn't matter your income. Doesn't matter your family background. The law of sowing and reaping works for everyone. So listen, you could be 12 years old, this principle works the same. You could be 100, principle works the same. You could be black, white, Hispanic, Indian, Asian, doesn't matter. It works for every person. You could be poor, middle class, or rich, doesn't matter. The law of reciprocity and sowing and reaping works the same for every person. I remember when I was about 11, 12 years old, I grew up going to uh, youth camp. Anybody else go to youth camp? Uh, So we... Four people. That's awesome. I went to youth camp, and my experience was great. It was it was just a couple of hours away from here, and uh, my mom. It, it was funny. Uh, we when the church we grew up in. The reason we started going there was because the Sunday we went, they all came back from youth camp, and she saw the impact that the of the lives changed in the students. That she said, "This is going to be our church." We started going there, and of course, every summer. Whether we had the money or not, mom sent us off to youth camp. And I remember going to youth camp. Uh, it was great. Get away from home. You know, if you're a student, you're like, praise God, I'm away from mom and dad. And, and it was awesome. And mom would always give us, mom and dad would always give us about 40, 50 bucks, which back then, I mean, that's a lot of money. Come on. I mean, woo! It's great. So I got money in my pocket. I'm going to church camp. I want God, but there's also some honeys there and some cool things to do. And I mean, come on, don't be too spiritual. I was 12, right? Some of you still act like that. You come to church. Where's the honeys? Woo! You think you're at youth camp right now. And so we, we would go there, and there's water slides, and there's go-karts, and, and we would have these services. But, you know, some of the things were free, and some of the things cost. And if I wanted snacks, you got to buy the extra snacks. Because, I mean, no, camp food is terrible no matter where you go. And uh, Except for our camp, we made sure it had good food, praise God. Uh, and, and so we would go to the youth camp service, and God would move. And I got saved for the 17th time. You know what I'm talking about. It's like he'd give the altar invitation, and at the very end, we would do a, uh, an offering. And so I'm, I'm all excited. I'm fired up with God, and they'd take up an offering. And, and lo and behold, I would feel God speak to me. And many times, I don't say every time, but it felt like I felt like it was every time I went to youth camp. The first night, I'd be like, God, what do you want me to give? I, I just, he, you know, he'd say, just ask God what you want to give. And so I'd say, God, would you? He said, everything, 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 every, like all 50 bucks. Like, you got to remember, I'm 12 years old, somebody. 50 bucks is like a million. And I'm like, everything? Like, how about five? I got five on it. You know, I'm just saying. And God said, no, I ain't got five, I got 50. And so, I, so we just go back and forth, and lo and behold, I'd end up giving that 50. And, you know, it didn't matter how, it was just the fact of what God would say. And then you know how youth camp goes. I wish I could say, you know, sometimes people would buy my go-karts and give me snacks, and, you know, you always felt dumb because you were broke, everybody's all rich, and you're like, oh, go, go enjoy your go-kart. I'll go down the water slide for the 17th time, because it's free. And, you know, you go do that, and. Sometimes God would bless me and get it, sometimes not. And, and, and I remember just some of it wrestling with God. I feel like I'm always giving you the resources. And, and God, I, I felt the Lord just say, I'm teaching you a principle. Well, that's why by the time I was 19, we had launched two businesses. 24, we had seven properties. By the time I was 24, opened up a restaurant with 30 employees. What I realized was the law of sowing and reaping was being birthed inside of me as a young teenager because God would use it my entire life because he needed the harvest to reach a harvest field. And I want to share just a verse of scripture that really my mom taught me and, and, and I learned at a young age that I think is going to bless you. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 and 11, it says, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase your harvest of righteousness. So he who supplies. Who supplies? God supplies. What's he supplying? Like, God, you're supplying stuff. What you're supplying? Seed. Okay, now is it agricultural seed? Is it corn? Well, back then, that was the currency of their life. So really, it's the currency of life. So you can apply that to whatever is your life's currency. So he's supplying seed to the sower 
and bread for food and will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase your harvest of righteousness. Now, he's talking about righteousness. He's talking about right standing. When I obey God as I'm listening to his voice and obeying him, then I'm in right standing. So he's multiplying my harvest of righteousness being in right standing with God. And it says, and will enrich in every way. I will be enriched in every way and be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. So I find this very interesting because what we see is that God is blessed when you are blessed. So the world doesn't, it, it doesn't bring God glory for you to be broke. And, and I love our church, and, and one of the things, I think if you've been here for any amount of time, you see we steward God's resources very well. We have a team, we have trustees, we have people that help make sure that everything is given and stewarded well. And you can see the blessing of God not only on the church in general, but on individuals as well. And, and the thing that I love is that when we're generous outside of these four walls, when we're generous inside these four walls, when we're generous in general, people look to God and say, wow, there must be a God in heaven. Something is unusual because most people don't live like this. And what I, I, I come and fight against with everything inside of me is that God somehow gets glory when you're broke. That's just false. Like, I want you to know the reason we could set families free in Pakistan is because we're not broke. The reason we could see 5,127 Muslims saved in Pakistan is because we're not broke. The reason we could impact this community and see thousands of people saved and set free and delivered. And every, every, listen to me, every police station, every fire station, every municipal entity in the Fort Bend County has been touched by you and the Fort Bend Dream Center. It's because we're not broke. And so we understand God wants us to be blessed, and you must understand that God wants you to be blessed, but it's not just going to fall out of heaven. It's not just going to land in our lap magically. It is a process and a principle that we have to apply in our life, and this church and me and Phil, we have been applying this our entire lives. It's the law of sowing and reaping, and what we understand in this process is that the value of the seed is in its potential. So this is what you have to understand. See, as a 12-year-old, I was trying to value the $50. God doesn't look at the $50 as it sits now. God looks at the value of the potential of that seed that was in my hands. It's the value of the potential of what is in your hand, not what the value is right now. Because if you look at your seed and the value of it now, you'll be tempted not to do anything with it. You'll say, well, this doesn't really matter, and the truth is it, it does. Robert, bring me this. I just want to show you this little illustration. So I'm going to use corn. How many of you guys are familiar with corn? You, you, you like corn? But this is a pretty household product that we have. Whether you eat sweet corn, does anybody eat sweet corn? You have corn flour, corn meal. I mean, anybody like popcorn? We like popcorn. That, that comes from, from corn. Ethanol, some of the fuel you use, comes from corn as well. And so it has a lot of great benefit in our life. But let's just imagine this morning I'm hungry, and this is all that I have. I just have two ears of corn. Now, in my hands, it don't look like a lot. But I'm hungry, right? I mean, I, I hadn't eaten, and, and I can eat a lot. And I'm just saying, I'm, I'm hungry, and this is all I have. How many know I, I could shuck this corn? I could get these kernels off, and it would produce about this much corn, and I could eat it, and guess what? I would be full for now. So that's an option with what I have in my hand. But there's a second option. The second option is what if I don't eat the corn, which I could, and I would be filled right now and full. What if I decide, hey, look, I'm not going to eat this corn, but I'm actually going to get these kernels off this ear, and what I'm going to decide to do is I'm actually going to decide to plant these kernels of corn so that I'll have a harvest later. Now, I'm still going to be hungry right now, but how many know in a couple of months I'm going to have more than what's in my hands? And so I always have a choice. When you have something in your hands, nobody can make you do it but you. You have a choice with what you're going to do. I can consume it. Or I can plant it. Now, I just want you to see the law of sowing and reaping and how a seed is multiplied when it's sowed. Now, now one stalk of corn, which is a plant of corn, usually produces two ears of corn. That's about what it produces. I thought it was more, but I, I learned it's just two ears of corn, like that, you know? And so, 
two ears of corn, whenever you take the kernels off, they produce somewhere around 1,600 kernels of corn. So that's about what this is, about 1,600 kernels of corn. You know, it's pretty good. <clears throat> but think about this. If I were to plant <clears throat> the 1,600 kernels of corn in the ground, I would produce, check it out, what's in my hand right now would produce 2.56 million kernels of corn from what's in my hand. So you say, well, it's not a lot. How many know 2.56 million kernels of corn? That's a whole different story. And so what I feel has happened to many people is we have devalued the potential of the seed that God has placed in your life. You say, well, it's not a lot. That's right. It's not a lot in your hands. But when it's planted, now it's in God's hands. And it has an unlimited potential. Robert, you can take that. Why? Because now it's been planted. I did my part. God has to do his part. And so don't allow the enemy to rob you of the harvest potential that God has placed inside of your life. Now, look, what if we were to take that just one step further? I did the math even further. What if we were to take those 2.56 million kernels of corn? And what if I was to plant those and I didn't eat that either? I just said, no, I'm going to sow that back in the ground. Did you know that in the second harvest cycle, it would produce more than 40 million kernels of corn in two cycles? So that little not enough, barely feed me for one meal, now is not only a harvest that will feed me for a long time, but a harvest that will feed others that are connected to me. And that's the beauty when we jump into God's system of seed time and harvest time financially. Like we cannot keep saying, God, I need you to bless me financially, but I'm just going to go serve. No, no, no. Seed time and harvest. Seed produces after seed. Like I can't plant an apple tree or an apple seed and say, I want some grapes. <laughs> Why? Because I like to ferment it. No, I'm just joking. Just, I... No, if I plant an apple seed, I mean, no, I'm going to get an apple tree. And so we got to learn to plant according to the need that God is wanting to meet inside of our life. Our seed has power because God will multiply it in our lives. And here's something else you need to know. If what's in your hand is not enough, it's your seed. If what's in my hand is not enough for the dream God's placed on the inside of me to meet the needs that I have in my life, then you know that that is seed. Why? Because when that seed is planted, it multiplies. And so you got to be careful that I don't consume the seed that God gave me in my life. Because go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. Look at what it says. He who supplies seed. And here's my concern. God has given you everything you need and you still live in lack. Why? I wonder if it's not because we're consuming the seed he intended for us to plant. Because when we plant the seed God gives us, there's never going to be lack. There will always be abundance. But the enemy has come and said, look, your little bit in your hands, it's not enough anyway. You'd be irresponsible to give that away. You'd be irresponsible to do anything but try to pay your bills. The challenge is it doesn't pay my bills. So we've robbed God, and, and here's the thing about it. If you know the heart of God, if you know the passion of God, God's not trying to get something from you. He's trying to get something to you. Some of you have been praying, God, help me meet my needs. God, I need you to help us. We're wanting to buy this house, or God, we're wanting to start this ministry, or God, we're wanting to launch this business, but we've never given God any seed for him to multiply. We just complain, God, you're not doing it. I wish, no, no, he said, if you'll plant the seed, then I'll meet the need. So the question is, what am I doing with my seed? Because in the hands of God, my not enough becomes more than enough. So that seed, it's like, God, okay, I, I, I trust you. And, and that's where we, we have to understand, too, really sowing seed takes faith. And that's the challenge. 
Right, if this is all I got, if all I have is what's in my hands and, 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 and I have a scarcity mentality, then what that means is I now have to trust that God, as I plant the seed, see, I can't control how fast it grows. I can't control the seasons. I can't control anything except giving it back to where it's supposed to be. Now, the rest is in God's hands. That means I have to trust God. I have to believe that after I've done my part, God's going to do his part. And I need you to know that God is faithful to do what he has promised to do. And it really comes down to this, listening and obeying. i got to listen and obey with my life. God, what, what's in my hands? And, and really, we, we've got to understand this. Listen, church, you're a steward of what's in your hands. It doesn't even belong to you. And so here's the power of it. This is what you got to get. God's given you everything you need to live in abundance in your life. You're not a victim. That God, when this is not enough, if I can sow it into the ground, you'll multiply. And, and God, I know it takes faith. God, I believe that you're going to do what you said you would do in your word. I mean, that's really even what tithes is all about. You know, tithes is returning back to God. I, I don't even like to say giving God the first 10% because that implies that I owned it. Tithing is saying, God, I'm going to give back to you the first portion of what you gave me to begin with. Why? Because that gives him. The Bible says the windows of heaven are open. But it's more than just that. It's, God, what, what, what am I doing with the seed in my life? Like, 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 that's part of what legacy is about. I remember when we first started, we've done legacy four years, and, and I'd get up, and I'd be a little bit like, oh, you know, I don't want you to feel pressure, and I don't, you know, a little bit nervous about talking to you. Man, I've gotten way over that. First off, you're either the church or you're not the church. Secondly, i got to preach the Word of God because it's not even for these four walls. It's for the out four walls. It's for the community and the world. And the third thing is you've got to allow the truth to set you free. We've got to break the barrier of poverty and limitations, and we've got to allow God's Word to do its work in our life. And so this is the way I look at it. Even Phyllis and I, that legacy is the soil for us to sow our seed into. Now, is it the only place? No, of course not. But that's why you've got to listen to God. You've got to say, God, what are you speaking to me? God, what are you saying to me? I, I love what it says. Look at Proverbs eleven twenty four 24, verse 25. Look at what it says. One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give. And look at what it says. And only suffers want. So, so I'm withholding, so, so you see the law of reciprocity, and here's, so I withhold and I suffer one. Now, it's, it's an amazing thing to me, because when you look at that, he says one gives freely and gets even more. So, so look, he's blessed, he grows richer. Now, that doesn't even make sense according to the world system. The world system is, if you want to be rich, you got to get, you got to hoard, you got to hold on to. Stack it up in your bank account. Put it in your stock market. Now, look, I'm an advocate for savings. I'm an advocate for stocks. I'm an advocate for investment. I get all that. The problem is when that investment becomes my source of security and not God. I've got to say, God, I'm going to give. And here's the amazing thing. The Bible says when I give freely that I'm going to get richly. It's like, God, you're going to bless me. Why? Because it's not even about you. He wants to get something to you so that he can get something through you. It's about us blessing the world. And then look at what he says right here. Look, he says this. He says, and, and, and he who withholds what he should give only suffers once. Now, now you know what that tells me? Because this wasn't written to unbelievers. I'm talking to a church of believers. You withheld what the Lord spoke to you to give. See, I, I'm not an advocate of using emotions to give. I, I think that's really, Phyllis and I, we don't pass offering plates and buckets. I have friends of mine and people. I remember the first time we told a pastor we were going to do that, he said, you'll go broke. I said, but God. I just, I just felt like I, I don't ever want to have to. See, I, I, I know what it's like to sometimes feel this emotion. and I don't ever want to be an emotional giver. I want to be a calculated giver. I want to invest my seed because where I invest my seed matters on the return of that harvest. And even in this place, it's been like, God, you, and here's been my whole thing. Look, ask God what he wants you to give and then just obey God. Well, that principle works all year long. That works whether you're here, that works in the grocery. When's the last time you asked God if you ought to buy someone's groceries? 
When's the last time you asked God if you ought to pay for someone who's behind you in the drive-thru? When's the last time you asked God if you ought to buy something? For... See, see the, the key is this. It's not just inside these four walls. It's not just the legacy offering. It's a lifestyle of saying, God, all that I have belongs to you, and I choose to give it freely. I'll give it now. I'll give it later. I'll give it here. I'll give it there. I will listen to your voice. I'll obey you. Why? Because I choose to live the life you have called me. I want to leave a legacy. And so what we do is we say, God, what do you want us to do? God, how do you want me to move forward in my life? And, and I, I heard two stories this week that I thought were so touching to me. Uh, it was in regards to the legacy offering. This is why for me it's like, man, it's just, it's just who we are. It's just no apologies. You want to be a part of it, be a part of it. You don't. It's, it's really between you and God. But someone texted me and Phyllis this week and said, you know, we've been praying about the legacy offering. And my husband and I came up with a number, but the number was a stretch. Now, I don't know about you, but it's always a stretch. Come on, somebody. No matter how many zeros, it's always like God, when he speaks to me, it seems like it's always a stretch. And she said, you know, but we chose, we're going to trust God, and we're going to actually get involved and be a part of it. She said, so we went ahead and gave it. <clears throat> they actually already gave their legacy offering. And she said, when we gave it, an amazing thing happened. Over the next couple of days, this is what God did in our life. Number one, my husband got a $650 bonus that was unexpected. <laughs> Come on, somebody. That's a, that's a couple of bikes, PlayStation, Xbox, something. Come on, somebody. Because you know it ain't going to them. It's going to the kids. I'm just saying. They got a $3 an hour raise. Now, I, I don't know about you, but that's like cha-ching, and that's the gift that keeps on giving. That ain't just, so, so I don't even know how much they gave. It doesn't even matter. But I'm sure they're thinking, wow, God, this is far above. And he got a company truck. So it's the principle. It's like they just obeyed God, did what they could do, and then God did what only he could do. Now, am I, am I saying that every one of you getting a company truck? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> am I saying every one of you are getting a raise? Absolutely not. What I'm saying is you now have seed in the soil for God to do what God already wants to do. I had another guy stop me at our first Wednesday service and he said, Pastor, he said, I just want you to know. He said, I've already given in the legacy I, I text to give earlier this week. He said, I just want you to know something that happened. He said, it's, it's really amazing. He said, you know, I gave and the number the Lord spoke to me to give and he said, unexpectedly, my boss pulled me into the office the next day and gave me a Christmas bonus that blew my mind. And I thought, man, isn't that like God? I can tell you time and time again, even here as a church, you know, I remember for us, and, and I'm about to close, but I, I remember when we were getting ready to launch a church. It took us 11 months. We had no savings, didn't have a clue we were launching a church. Walked into a weekly meeting with the pastor I was serving with, and he said, I think there's a great church in Rosenberg. We had just moved here, never driven down the streets of Rosenberg. Got to be honest, just commuted into Houston, took 59. And, but when he said that, something resonated. I said, I, I'm all for it. Let's see what God would do. And so Phyllis and I had just moved to Rosenberg, but we weren't saving to launch a church. And so we, we had to raise a couple hundred thousand dollars and ended up raising, I think it was $191,000 in 11 months. And, I never forget January before we were going to launch. We were launched March 17, 2013, five, five years, eight months ago, something like that. And we just told God, God, we're not going to launch a church with cruddy equipment. Like, I don't want to have to piece together a sound system and get Sister Wonderful's expedition and Brother Awesome's trailer and then try to make it all fit. It's, it's like, no, if we're going to do this, God, you fund your kingdom in the right way. It's a lot how we built the Dream Center. Someone say, why would you invest so much? Because God loves excellence. And we just said we're going to go with Portable Church. And so we had a bid. It, was, it wasn't even that much. It was 75000 But it was all brand new with trailers and boxes. If you see us, now we have four trailers, three trucks. And we just roll it all in. And it's pretty amazing. And so I just remember saying, and Steve was with us and one of our trustees. And I remember just saying, we're going to believe God. And I had $1,000 in my bank account. It's the church's bank account. And so we're like, man, I don't know how we're going to do it. We had to put a $25,000 deposit for them to work on the, the equipment. And I'll never forget, the Lord spoke to me. We're going up to Alabama to ARC to be assessed as church planners and be a part of the association-related churches. And 
Felt like the Lord said, go ahead and write out that check for $1,000. And again, I had a conversation. $1,000? Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's all I got. I know. Okay. I mean, how many know, listen, this is the way I look at it. If what I got's not enough, what I got to lose? That's just, and, and I learned the principle that God is always more than enough, but he needs something to work with. So I just put it in. And again, I didn't see a television show and feel manipulated. I didn't hear someone's needy story. I listened to the voice of God. So I put it in my pocket, totally forgot about it, went up to Alabama, went through the day of training. Second day, met a couple, uh, Chris and Carrie Duncan, who we support in Sumatra, Indonesia, launched a life-giving church running more than 400 people where it's illegal to have converts to Jesus because of what you've sowed into them. So I remember meeting them. I said, Phyllis, I think this is the couple. And I said, will you just go meet them? And, you know, partly just thinking she'll say no, because if she says no, got them off the hook. You should have spoke to this woman, not me. You know, it's not my fault. It's a woman's fault. And she came back and she said, no, I think that's the couple. And so I just asked them their name, wrote it out, just handed it to them. And they, they just freaked out and just totally said, hey, God just told us that we we're going to give it to someone. So now you go home and the reality sinks in because here's the deal. When you give seed and it's what you need, there is a reality that, hey, I ain't got nothing now or whatever it is. You know, usually for me, it's been nothing sometimes. And. You come back and you're like, well, God, now you do your thing. And, and, and I, always, I always, you know, there's this moment where God's just silent. You know, you wish he'd affirm you like, you did good. I'm so proud of you. And that's not usually what I feel. I usually feel like, man, I'm an idiot. God, are you sure? Why is heaven silent? You know, come on, Lord Jesus. But seven days later, heaven wasn't silent with a $25,000 gift. And so, you know, it came in. Over the next couple of days, the $25,000, exactly what we needed to pay for the down payment of the trailers. I mean, I'd tell you another story. I mean, I'd go on and on, the church personally. I mean, when we were looking to buy the property next door, I'll never forget the Lord said, I want you to give a large gift. And uh, we had a $25,000 that we were going to use for the property at the Dream Center. And we didn't know that's what it was for. I just heard the Lord say, give it all. And I'm like, all? 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 Oh, really? Really? You know the whole conversation? And I pulled in some of our trustees or all of our trustees and some of our legacy team. And never forget, I had a meeting. I said, look, I, I know this is ridiculous. It's crazy. We're trying to buy a property, but I felt like the Lord said, give the reserves and sow that property or sow it into, into another ministry. And they all sat around and said, look, God, if they say no, I'm going to submit because that's what I'm supposed to do. And, and every one of them, yes, yes, yes. Yes, we're with you, Pastor. We're with you. Sowed it. Within three months, purchased that property. A miracle purchase. Like I'm talking about, we bought that piece of property for fractions of what it's worth. And now we have a beautiful campus that lives are being... And, and I'm telling you, I'm not asking you to believe just like, like there are stories after story after story of God bringing life change. And here's the key. The enemy wants to rob you of the potential that's in your hand. That's what you got to understand. I promise you this. Look, God's not going to ask you to give. I mean, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> he will ask you. <laughs> the devil's not going to ask you to give. That's what I always look at. Like, if I'm going to say give groceries or give to this. Like, do you think the devil's going to tell me to put money into a ministry that's doing great things? But, oh, come on. The devil's going to say, hey, you deserve a brand new car. You ought to pay cash. Buy that new house. But, but, and I'm not saying those are bad in and of themselves. You just got to listen to God. And I just want to pray over each and every one of you. It's, it's, it's a principle I'm asking God to operate in your life for the rest of your lives. Never taught on this, but it's time. You're ready. Some of you have got to break past the barrier that the enemy has capped you in. And it's time for you to be set free in the area of finances. Father, I pray for your people. Lord, I'm asking you to move in such a significant and profound way. God, touch each and every one of them right where they're at. Lord, as we have talked about seed time and harvest and Lord, I pray that I have communicated in a way that they understand your principles. That every misconception has been broken off. We recognize the enemy has come to steal, kill, and to destroy. And part of his tactic is to steal the potential of the seed that's in our hands. God, I'm asking you, Lord, help us to listen and obey. Listen and obey. What do you speak to us? Not only in regards to the legacy offering, but God, every day. 
every moment, every environment. When you see a need, God, just, Lord, that you would speak to us, give or don't give. Wherever we go, we're just, we're carriers of your, of your blessing to the world around us. And God, I thank you for a generous church. I thank you for a generous people. I thank you for people that have broken the barrier off of their life. And because of that, generations of their seed will multiply and continue to impact the world. God, I thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Now keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. There's some of you in this place. We've been talking about trusting God and having faith and sowing seed. But the truth is, before you operate in that, I want you to understand that there has to come a point in your life where you put your trust in Christ to save you. That Jesus becomes the Lord and the Savior of your life. You have to surrender your life to Him. And the Bible says that when we confess Jesus as Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says we'll be saved. And some of you have never experienced it. Christians, we call it salvation. It's this turning away from the old life and turning towards Christ in this new life. And the amazing thing is it's not about you being good enough and doing good things. It's simply putting your trust in Christ, believing on him that he'd be your Lord and your Savior. And this morning, there's an opportunity for you that you would not walk out of these doors the same way, but there's some of you sitting here right now. God's been working on your heart. You've been distant from Him. You don't have a relationship with Him, and you recognize it. And right now, in this moment, you're ready to begin that relationship with Christ. I want to do this. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Before I do that, I wonder if as an act of surrender, you just be bold enough just to raise your hand. Nobody's looking around, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, but you just say, that's me. Right now, I'm ready to start a relationship with him. Right now, put my trust in him to save me. I want him to be my Lord and my Savior. If that's you, just raise your hand right now. I want to pray for you right where you're at. Raise it up high. I see you. Yep, 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 yep. Yes, yes, yes. Church, can you tell them how proud? Amazing. Now, let's just, let's pray this prayer together. Jesus, I need you. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Forgive me of all of my sins. Wash away my past. Fill me with your spirit. Right now, I surrender my life fully to you. I give you my hopes. I give you my dreams. I give you everything right now in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Come on, worship God.